Welcome to Quirky Gems Podcast. It's great to have you here. Join me, Gem Swallow, every Friday as I talk happiness and living life to the fullest. I talk about what I try and what I come across, along with mindset and motivation, health and fitness. That's Quirky Gems Podcast every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Would you like to advertise here on Quirky Gems Podcast? I've got two packages available for you. The intro package gets you an advert read out right here on Quirky Gems Podcast. You'll get your socials, a website. It's available. You'll also get a link in my link tree. To claim, direct message me on Twitter. It's at Radio Gem, payment via PayPal, £6, available worldwide. So let's get a social package. You get your advert read out right here. Right here on Quacky Gems Podcast, you also get your link available in my Twitter. Every time I drop a new podcast, you will get seen by my followers. You will also get your link in my link tree. How amazing is that? £12 for one month. Payment via PayPal available worldwide. To claim, direct message me on Twitter. It's at Radio Gem. Sounded good, didn't it? That was too many bunnies. You can check out more information at dancingunicorn.co.uk. And if you would like to, if you can't really remember the date, make a note of it now, the 7th of February 2023. Or be sure to check back on my Twitter. It's at Radio Gem. As soon as it becomes available, I will, of course, let you know and share it so you can head on over to Amazon and grab your copy. Next up, we have Gary Beck, Double Envelopment. Now, this book promises culture, lifestyle, poetry, and heritage. You can grab your copy from my link tree. You can also get it from directly from the link that I will post every week, as ever, on my Twitter at Radio Gem. Have a listen to this. When magician Presto Changeo leaves his house to buy new magic wand, he leaves his bunnies alone. But two bunnies soon become more and even more, filling Presto's house and then all of Echo City. Presto has to ask for Nightbat's help and the two working together to get the wriggling nose, floppy-eared, fuzzy-tailed bunch of bunnies under control. Too Many Bunnies coming to Amazon the 7th of February 2023. So if that is something that sounds right up the street, check out Gary Beck's Double Envelopment. You can find it in my link tree, on Twitter, at Radio Gem. Or you can find it on Amazon, so grab your copy today. Next up is Made by Gem, Gem CBD Balm. This one is mine. It's very nerve-wracking and exciting to have your little baby put out into the world. But we are still in winter, and I don't know about you, but things hurt. If you said this, migraine... This could be the thing that helps you out. So, all natural ingredients, there are three of them. It comes in a little jar. It's full spectrum, which means that you are actually getting... It will help. It's full spectrum CBD. It is there to help you with pain. I have used it for migraine. So, when I get a migraine, I get put a little bit on my temples. It relaxes me. I use it around three times a day. It helps relax muscles. If you have back problems, it, CBD is great for helping your ailments. Now, 
if you've been listening to my journey, I have oral and neck cancer. And my pod on my neck, especially in the cold, it hurts. And I have to rely on scarves to keep it warm. But three times a day, I rub CBD balm into my pod. Now, what is interesting about this... I haven't actually been receiving treatment for seven weeks, but I have been using CBD balm. And I have noticed a difference in the pod, that we affectionately call it, on my neck. And it also helps to ward off the winter chill. So if this is something you would like to try, give it a go. Why not? You can find it at Radio Gem. Send me a direct message and I will give you an invoice. It's £10 including postage and packaging. PayPal only. And I only ship to the UK because international shipping will be a lot more. And there's also different laws depending on different countries that you live in. That's made by Gem. Gem's CBD balm. Have a listen to this. Up to this point. Hi and welcome, I'm Gemma Swallow, how are you? I hope you're doing well. This, yeah, this is Quacky Gemma's podcast. I am going to be very honest here. I have to, like, toot, I think that's right, <laughs> to and fro on this episode because it's quite a heavy one and it's something that I have been thinking about mentally because it's something that I have been looking at and thinking, okay, this isn't mine to carry anymore emotionally. And I think other people have gone through it. But unless you have had this, I don't know if you would connect with them. But a few days ago, I went out and um, I took a photograph. The sun was shining and I went to a local duck pond near where I live and I thought, wow, I actually feel like me. I feel like me again. And I wrote down that evening when I came home, I wrote down everything that I've been feeling for the past three months. This journey, I've been writing down everything I've been feeling And the majority of it has been really negative. And I wanted to share and get it out there because A, it might help somebody else. But I wanted to share it because I don't want to keep it anymore. And I don't think it's mine to keep. So this episode is called Up to This Point. And I'm hoping to put it out there. And I'm going to explain to you what I've been seeing and feeling. Okay, so where I'm at is now the first week of February 2023. And it's a cold day right now. And my pod on my neck is really hurting. I had a scan done about two weeks ago. And I figured that maybe... The pod on my neck is the only thing now I've got to kill. And I'll be honest with you, if you listen to Cycle 2, the episode I did, this has been one of the hardest things I've ever done. I have been walking this earth for over three decades, and this has been one of the hardest things I've ever done. There have been moments I have thought about chucking in the towel. 
I have thought about suicide. I have thought about wanting to escape. But for some unknown reason, there's been something in me that I've been getting up and going to appointments and I've been... There's been kind of like energy pushing me along. So... One thing I will say before we get stuck into it, everybody is different. Some people have a different mindset. How I would describe me, I'm quite a positive person and quite laid back. I have to be because I have other health conditions too. And that's been quite hard to factor in with this journey. So I have chronic fatigue syndrome, endometriosis, fibromyalgia and migraine. They have been there before all of this kicked off and I'll probably have them for the rest of my life and that's okay because I've built a life up around them. When when I got diagnosed with this, I remember I was led into a room because I broke down. I was led into a room and the very first thing I thought was everything I built up is going to explode. I'm losing it all. I'm going to not be able to do the podcast anymore. I'm going to... My life is over. I had my pink podcast mask with me. And I looked down. And what made it worse was that not a lot of people could understand me because my tongue was slanted to the side. And so all I remember thinking was... I hadn't even worn waterproof mascara that morning. <laughs> oh, that was one of the I can laugh about it now. I had my pink podcast mask sat on my lap and I thought, my life is over. Literally, this is it. And I had windows to the right of me that didn't open. And I had to break the news to my family. I remember doing that and thinking, I want to go home. When I went home, because I have a rest, because of chronic fatigue syndrome, I laid in my bed and sobbed. And I thought, how could this get me? Like, I have a family history of it, but how? How could this get me? And I don't know what was to come, but I don't know. When you hear, like, that you have this, you kind of think to yourself, you're going to die. Because that's been the narrative in the news in adverts, most of it is going to die. I don't remember an awful lot about the beginning of this. It's been so long, but I don't actually remember a lot about the beginning. And so, I remember the next place I can take you to. I'm sat in the waiting room for a consultation and I'm praying. In my head, I'm thinking, you're not going to hear me. Think of how many souls are in this building. And most of them are terrified. I'm not terrified, but please don't make me use chemotherapy, please. I remember praying and thinking, radiotherapy. I'm happy with radiotherapy, but please not chemo. I was led to this room where the consultant said, we're going to put you on chemotherapy for three cycles. And I thought... Okay, it didn't occur to me then, no one told me that when you have a body, it's up to you what happens. And it's up to you whether you want to move forward or whether you want to say, no, I'd like to try something different. No one tells you this. And so when I went through chemotherapy, I remember that. 
I remember how that made me feel. I remember thinking, how am I supposed to ride this out? Coming off of it was just as hard as going on to it. You felt sickly summer and you felt like all your energy had been taken away. And I remember watching movies on TV just for a distraction and feeling sick and thinking, it's okay, it's going to ride out, it will ride out, it'll be all right. On the second cycle, I mentioned this in the episode that I did, on the second cycle, I remember I was in the bathroom one night, brushing my teeth, getting ready for bed. I looked in the mirror and I said to Jack, my other half, this hasn't moved, the pod on my neck hasn't shrunk at all, and I felt so disheartened. I don't remember anything after that. It then becomes sketchy. I don't know if it's been such like an experience where my brain is kind of like trying to protect myself. But I remember the next thing was, I think, my instinct kicking in saying we don't want chemo anymore. We can't do chemo. We really can't. Um. Then I had this image in my head. Cancer became a subject that was talked about near enough every day. And my life as it was before, I was at the hospital a lot more. I was having scans, I was having blood tests, and I really don't like the smell of hospitals. It lingers on your hair. And... I think there's this narrative that it's kind of like, because you have to be up there, you have to like it. I don't. I can't wait to get home when I go up there. And it's more about get to an appointment, get through it, come home. That's the only way I can deal with it and survive it. And it's weird. My personality type, I'm quite outgoing and I'm quite talkative. But I kind of shut down a lot more when I'm in hospital. And it's what you see. You see other people that are terrified and scared. And it rubs off on you. And I'm not terrified or scared. But one of the things that have been really damaging to my mental health has been the amount of times I've heard the word death. It's weird because... I walked around the graveyard, we live not too far from one, and they're peaceful places. The majority of the graves don't get visitors to them. And when I think about death, I think about, okay, you die, that's it. You know, you then go on to a better place. I believe in afterlife, I believe in spirits, I believe that the people you love, when they pass away, they're still around you. That bond is never broken. And when I got told that this cancer was quite aggressive, but it hadn't spread, and I thought, well, that's great. I'm more for, I want to aim for the positives, because to me, I can move better with positives. I'm a positive person. So I'm more like, I'm giving this everything I've got. All I want is something back in return. I mean, it's not much to ask for, is it? So... When I've heard language in conversations that I have been witness to about, you know, that death or this could be turned terminal, that's been the hardest part. To me, I'm like, all right then, 
if this thing gets me, I'm out of this thing, aren't I? I mean, it doesn't bother me. I won't be here. You know, I might have to be around it as a spirit person, looking at people and, you know, the people I love grieving for me. But it's strange because I noticed that this whole experience has had such an impact on my family as well. I remember in November having a conversation with my younger brother and he could just about make me out what I was talking about. And I remember talking about the fact that if I were to die, because this is what this is what most of the, the conversations have been about, death. Not about, okay, we've been giving this everything, you know, you're doing well. It's been mainly about death. And so I didn't realise, like, when you're in the most vulnerable place and you're not giving an instruction manual, but you're saying, like, a lot of death. So I remember talking to my younger brother. I remember saying to him, okay... I have thought about this and I, you know, mum knows that if I die, I would like to be cremated. And to be honest, all these adverts come on the TV anyway, so it makes me wonder if other people thought about how they would like to go or if some people don't think about it at all. But I thought, okay. Then I said to him, I don't know if you guys want a party because I won't be there. I think it dawned on me that when I was talking to my younger brother, who's had me there his whole life, that when I said I won't be there, it was more of the fact of, wow. Because when I got told about this, I remember saying to my consultant, how long have I got? I remember the nurse being quite shocked because I look young. I'm in my 30s. And so when I came out... It occurred to me months later, like, wow, like, my first instinct was, like, I guess because it wasn't in the room, but it wasn't, like, let's fight this, what have I got to do? It was more like, how long have I got? And I guess it's because, like, when you hear people say about cancer, people don't really say, like, you know, what have I got to do to fight this? Even in, like... You know, the soaps and stuff, it's more about, okay, what is the prognosis here? What's my timeline looking at? Am I going to see next Christmas? And so, it wasn't until fairly recently I realised that it's now been seven weeks without any form of treatment on my pod. And though the winter has been the worst, it makes everything hurt. Where there's been no treatment... It hasn't spread, and I'm still here. And when I went out, and I thought, okay, when I'm at home, and I'm talking to my mum or talking to my family, I'm able to dream, I'm able to make plans, I'm able to be gem, I'm able to work, I'm able to be, you know, someone's other half, someone's daughter. But I don't know, when I go to the hospital, it's a different environment. And, like, the two sides are battling what makes me me and what's trying to kill the cancer. Also, that's another thing. When I found out what it was, my first thing to think was, all right, I'm going to kill it. It's going down. 
And I'll be honest with you, I realised I was running out of steam a bit because you can't fight for that long without taking a break. I remember I felt tired. I got a virus that knocked me for sex. I hardly ever get sick. And mentally, I was struggling to keep my head above water. And then it wasn't until recently I thought, hold on a second, hold on. Bring it back a bit. This is on me, right? You can see it. What I have, I can't pronounce it. But what I have, cancer cells. They're my cells. But like every other cell in my body, the only thing is something triggered them to grow too fast and to take more of my reserves, more of my energy, more of my fat cells than my other cells do. When I've heard about cancer before having it, you hear about, you know, cancer is there to kill you. It will keep going until it kills you. But it wasn't until a few days ago I realised, no, 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 no. Yeah, cancer grows rapidly, that's fine, that's what it does. There's no denying that. But they're still my cells, they're still on me. They grow fast, yeah, and it might be a small space that are growing in. But it's like Mother Nature buggered up. And how I see it, it's my turn to right the wrong. So in my head, when I had the second cycle of chemotherapy, I realised then that I was going by instinct. My body was saying, don't like this. And it was up to me to kind of advocate for myself. A friend, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were having a phone conversation and um, my friend was saying about advocation. I was like, that's what it is, isn't it? My friend has health conditions as well. And she went, you're advocating for yourself. I went, oh my God, I am. I went, I didn't even think about that. And really, like, you might not have the blueprint of how this is supposed to happen. But you're saying, no, I'm not going to go through this or I feel comfortable in doing this, but I refuse to do that. And you are within your rights to do so. And so, when I realised, and I thought, wow, of all the health conditions, because I separate cancer, because to me, there is no way in this earth I'm having another year of this cancer. And it's like, I understand in my cells, I know I've just said that, but it's more like, okay, everything... It comes to an end and it needs to come to an end for my mental health. It needs to stop. I need to get rid of it. I need my body back. I need my life back. So, mentally, I was having a conversation with my mum. And I said, Do you know, I said, what this reminds me of. I'm walking up and down a floor that moves. When I first got told about this, I, it was kind of like... The only kind of visual I can give you that I was kind of had in my brain was I was walking along and, you know, like pavement slabs, the slabs were literally coming out of the air, like left and right as I was walking forward. And as they were coming out, they were then placing themselves in front of me to form a path to walk on. And so an appointment, that was one slab. Another appointment, that was another one. I could, it was like a heavy fog. I couldn't see that far into the horizon. But it was like, okay, this slab is down, so that's okay to put my foot on. 
okay, that's one. And every appointment was like, okay, another payment is done, that's another appointment, okay, that's two. And before you know it, a paving stones have formed this path where you look back and you think, okay, I've come to this far. And what's really interesting about it is that mum and Jack got there a lot quicker than I did. There were times when I'd be crying and saying to my mum, this is so hard, and you felt like you weren't being heard. And mum said, look at how far you've come though. You've come so far. Look at the amount of chemo you've had and all of this, you've come so far. And I said, I'm not, I can't see what you're seeing. And there were times like where I would be in tears and say to Jack, I don't know what I'm doing here. And Jack said, you know, you've come this far, keep going. And I said, I can't look backwards. I'm too busy and trying to keep my foot on this stable footing. It was kind of like, if I look back, I was going to trip over or I was going to fall. I didn't feel safe where I was. And so, in my head, another thing was, and I, I, I kind of recreated this as best as I could. I visually can see myself in a dark place. It's winter, but this dark place is cold. Um, I'm holding a rope. I don't know where this rope's come from, but I'm holding a rope. And the floor isn't smooth and it's not all one level. It slopes. It's kind of like, you know, like a wheelchair slope. It's a slope, but it's like a seesaw. It can go up and down. And it's like, you can go up, you're walking, and then you can feel your ankle move forward, and then you're going down. And it's been like a roller coaster. And I'm gripping onto this rope. I don't know where it goes because I don't have an instruction manual for this. But as I'm walking, it's like I'm gripping hold and I'm walking. I'm like, I know this leaves somewhere and I trust it. And I believe it's my instinct. The other day, I took a picture of this because I wanted to kind of bring it into reality. And so I didn't. I don't have a rope lying around the house, so I use my dressing gown rope. But... I wanted to show what it is I've been looking at in my head, like the image that's been put there. And so another thing is that I have this visual in my head of, like, I'm in a room full of windows. And the windows are like shutters, they keep opening and closing. And every bit of news, like, you know, it's like chemotherapy or you have a scam. When I'm able to breathe and I don't have to protect myself from incoming news, it's like you can see the outside and it's greenery. It's like spring. You can see trees and it's like, it's kind of like a utopia. But when you're having to protect yourself from incoming news, the windows close and... You're in the middle of this room, dead centre, and you're thinking, okay, now what? And it's like the landscape rearranges around you. You're staying in one place, but it's like forever rearranging. And it, the only way I can... It's like... There was a Sugar Babes music video that reminds me about this uh, it, this song. Um, oh, what was this song called? I have to look it up and share it somehow, but it's about, um, 
Grief, the Sugar Babe song. And um, the music video reminds me very much of what I'm seeing in my head. I guess it's the only connection my brain can make because really I've never been here before. My mum's had cancer, but even her cancer was a lot different. And so I think my brain, brains are there to make connections. I'm also a migraine sufferer, so it's there to make cycles and patterns. That's the way I go about my life. That's the way that I'm built, to see patterns and cycles and to read between lines. But I think this show your babe some... Um, if I can remember my lyrics, um, Never Be The Same Again, I think that's a song. Um, ain't it funny how you think you're going to be okay to remember things are never going to be the same again? That's why lyrics, so if you want to look it up on Google, it'll come up. But if you want to see what I'm, like, what I'm thinking about, it's like, a landscape where you see night and day and it reminds you of that see where I can connect with what I've been seeing but on the 7th of this month it's weird it's only a few days ago it all changed I came home from walking around nature I took some photographs as well and when I said to my mum I said it's changed I said I'm in a different place now I feel like I'm in the end, like, I'm at the end of it. And mum went, how long's it been? I went, hold on, October, November, December, January. I said, four months. I said, four months of having to deal with feeling as though I'm waiting for death to come along. Or I'm waiting for the end. Or, like, I'm waiting to be referred on to a palliative care nurse. I had a district nurse come over. She cleans my um, pick line. And I said to her, who do you see on your rounds? And she says, sometimes it's like palliative care. You know, you're giving people medication, that kind of thing. And I thought, well, that must be hard because you're seeing people deteriorate. But when she was saying about what she saw, and I thought, I'm not near there. I'm nowhere near there. And I thought... That has to tell you something. But that has been something that I've really had to sit down with because it's been something... I get cancer can kill, yeah, sure, I get that. And I get that where my cancer is, it's near jugulars and veins, sure, I get that. But I think I would have preferred the culture around cancer to be different. I would have preferred it to be like... Um, like oh my god you're doing so well or okay maybe this didn't work or maybe we can try something else is that okay with you or um how you doing kind of thing and another thing is that I'm living with someone that has seen her mum had cancer and she's had cancer um it's weird because when you're around people that haven't had it but it's weird because if you know someone that's had cancer or you yourself have had it, you kind of, your perceptions change. I think it's going to because you're dealing with something that in society is seemed as the worst thing. I guess back in like the medieval times, it was kind of like the plague. Everyone was terrified of getting the plague. And 
if you got that, your days were up, basically. I mean, it was really quite depressing back then. I mean, I think they even had, uh, what do you call them? What you have on Christmas? Um, Reese on the door. You know, I mean, I didn't have social media there, but uh, Reese on the door, like, dun, 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 dun. I mean, you know, I guess, like, can't say nowadays. I don't think it's as intense as the plague was, but it's kind of up there, isn't it? But, I don't know about you, but I've never heard anybody come, like, right... I don't know how literate they were back then. I know they didn't have radio or podcasts back then. But I've never heard anyone tell me, say, I survived the plague, yeah, you know, I got a black tongue. But it was all good. You know, I had to sleep that bad boy off. But I'm all good, I survived. No one really did. We hear stories about this thing. And with cancer... It's so strange because something I said to Jack this morning, I woke up with a really bad migraine because this weather can't figure out what it's doing. I remember saying to Jack, my other half, what angers me, because sometimes I still get angry about it, especially when the cold weather makes the pod hurt, but what I get angry about is a lack of awareness. If I know what I was looking back, looking at a year ago, over a year ago now, I would not be in this path now. And this would have been over with. And I would have been in a different place. I've looked at all different things from where I'm standing because I think, okay, I can joke about it. I'm one of the very few people... When you get cancer, you get like a pass where you can take the mick out of it, you can joke about it. Other people can't. Other people look at you like you're either going to croak it or you're like, oh, poor you, oh, God, oh. Or a personal favourite of mine, oh, bless you. And it's like, oh, for crying out loud. But it's like, oh, come on and sit there and listen to it. I don't get that saying, bless you. It's kind of like, I'd rather you just didn't say anything, but that's just me. But... When you're sat there, it's the only time you've kind of been given a pass, but I encourage it. It's like, I sit there and take the piss out of it. <laughs> because it's like, I've got it. It either kills you or you beat it, you know? And it's like, people don't know how to react to it. And so, one thing I hope... By sharing this journey is that I'm showing you behind the curtain of what this is. As I said before, you might hear like memes or slogans like this is the club no one wants to be in. Yeah, yeah it is, you know, but for me it's more, I've been focusing on what I can do rather than what cancer's taken away. To be honest with you, cancer hasn't taken anything away from me. It really hasn't. I... It has taken away self-image a little bit. How I see my body, but I put on weight now and I'm getting, I'm more like me, so I'm happy about that. I can see my curves back, so it's a bonus. And I, it has tried to take the movement of my tongue, but I can still talk, so that's good. I remember there was a time I used to say to Jack, I'm going to lose my tongue. And I did think that I was going to have to give up the podcast, and that to me... I don't want to grieve that. Every week I was recording, I remember I put out my Twitter about in October. I got diagnosed with cancer, so I might not be able to do the podcast anymore. 
That was October, it's now February. And it's actually really helped. People at the hospital have discovered, because we're a face mask advertising the podcast, and people at the hospital said, like, what do you do? I said, I'm a podcaster. I also do other things, but I have a podcast. And they say, has that, like, has that affected it? I'm like, strangely, no. I had a conversation with someone the other week about this, and she said, has that affected it? I went, no, because my listeners have come on the journey with me. They've heard it when I really tried to talk and my tongue was slanted. They've heard where I've had both good and bad days because it's more, they've been there with me. They've, they might not, you know, they've been there. They've been through it all with me. They, it's weird. Even now, if you're a new listener, you can go back over episodes. I get told all the time, like, my mum knows people that are like listen to the podcast and they say you can hear the difference in Gem's voice. My friends have said, Gem, oh my god, you sound so clear. My listeners comment me on Twitter at Radio Gem, by the way, and they say, Oh my god, you sound so clear. And I'm like, Thank you. That is what I want to hear. That the hard work I put in, something's coming out. Thank you for noticing. Don't, I know it's hard when you know someone or you might be aware of someone that's got cancer. Hearing like, oh, bless you, or, oh, or, oh, poor you, they really don't help because you're about keeping it together in your head and your life has a lot more hospital appointments in it and a lot more, there's so much going on in your head. Mental health, I do believe, though, is as important and it's so overlooked but for me there are a few things that in this journey if I had to do it over again I would change without a show of a doubt I would really change but where I am right now I look and I think well I'm hoping that by sharing all this stuff I've changed the narrative of cancer that yeah, okay, I've lost weight, um, I've had chemotherapy, that was not fun, and I've had bad days, but they're okay. You can't be like, yes, I'm going to fight this all the time, you just can't, it's like, not normal, it's like with anything, you're going to have like, it's like a roller coaster. you're going to have days where you think, I can't do this anymore, like, and it scares you because when you look at your family members and you think, if I do this, I'm going to leave you behind and you've got to grieve for me. But, I've questioned why I'm fighting. And the one thing that I, I remember saying to my younger brother, I'm fighting to keep your world spinning. Because that way, when I fight this, when, and I hope to God this is soon, when I sit there in that chair and my consultant says it's all gone, hopefully it's soon, I can turn around and think, I fought because my family, my friends, people who know me didn't have to grieve. And I wasn't a statistic that, you know, Cancer got me. When I got diagnosed, I was like, it got me. I thought I could go my whole life and it not get me. But 
Now it's like, okay, I've got it, but I've got to do this my way. I've got to share this my way. And it's more like... (laughs) When I shared this on the podcast, it's like, hey, I don't have a blueprint. They forgot to give me a map when they told me about this. But it's kind of like someone's handing me a massive torch and I'm like moving it about in this darkness and like okay follow me if you want I don't know where I'm going I'm going by instinct it hasn't led me wrong so far but follow me um I'm hoping to kick this thing's ass and you know to get out of it when we say this thing it's this I know I say about these are myself but do you know what it is I think it's more about mentally Mentally, you want to do it because of how it makes you feel. If you have cancer and you can see it, it's more mentally of, I don't want to see it anymore. I want to get rid of it. Get rid of the cancer cells that are doing harm. Yeah, they're my cells, but I don't want to see it anymore. I want to look in the mirror. I want to be able to wear necklaces again. And I want to be able to... I'm lucky I've been able to put my hair up when it got quite bad with the bump. I couldn't wear my hair up. I could do it for half an hour and it would hurt. And it's like today, as I'm recording, I've got a dodgy hair. So I have to put my hair up because that helps your migraine. I don't know how it works, but apparently it does. But little things is kind of like... The little things are so small. And what you've been told by all these different people... I was in the kitchen yesterday with my mum... And my mum said about, you've got so many people saying you different things. I was like, yeah, I said, visually, I'm more to do with visuals personally. But I said, imagine I had a bouncy ball. My mum was drying up. We were just eating tea. My mum was washing up and drying up the cutlery and crockery. And I said, imagine a bouncy ball, right? She went, yeah. Well, now, imagine I had this bouncy ball. I hit it against the floor and it hit you. So yeah, right now imagine all of this was you're gonna die. This is your terminal, or all these different people telling you all these different things. I said you'd be quite bruised, wouldn't you? She went, yeah. Um, that's as close as how I feel about this. I said that's literally the only thing I could tell you. That's how it feels, but. Now, in this day, because that's where you can go, it's a roller coaster, but you try to grab the best from each day. It doesn't have to be sunny, it's winter, it's likely not going to be. But if it's something small like getting an order in from work or hearing like someone's going to check out the podcast, stuff that I've worked so hard to build up. They're thriving. And it's like, I can't be doing too bad if other parts of my life are thriving. And really, that is what you're fighting for. You're fighting to keep negativity out. Even if you need help from, like, a talisman. You know, like a little bit of jewellery or a ring or a precious stone to help you with that. I'd say do it, because that's what you're fighting for. 
you're fighting about the stigma of cancer, the taboo of cancer, the thing that it's the one thing because the plague. I don't know about you, but I haven't heard about it in a couple of hundred years. But it's the one thing mentally everyone's terrified of because it's the one thing you feel you don't have control over. You get you get the diagnosis, and it's the three words you fear. You have cancer, but it's more. You kind of feel like your body's not your own, but it is because you still get up, you have to feed it, you clothe it, you water it. And I'm hoping by sharing my experience that the stigma is lifted a bit. But there are two things that I would love to change. One, mental health. It has to be across the board, even with medical professionals. It has to be at the forefront of everything and two awareness i in the over a year i've been living with oral and neck cancer i have not come across (laughs) physically i haven't met one person i know of one i've known of a few people but i haven't met one person that's got what i've got i'm lucky though that i know of them and we have like a support network. I've talked about this in a previous episode. In about my, like how many years resolutions are going. I talked about that. But I would love adverts or something or awareness, for love of God, awareness that something so small, I did that. You know, you have it on your tongue. And you think, maybe I've just had too much sugar or something. And I must admit, I was fobbed off when I asked for help. But if the awareness was out there, even if it was an advert, oral and neck cancer, believe it or not, is one of the most common cancers you can get. I had to do my own research to look that up. But it's still no awareness. Literally, there's nothing on TV about it. There's nothing on the radio about it. There's nothing there. I would love for somebody else not to go through this. Cancer's going to happen where you have it. Like, if you're predispositioned, it's a it's a roll of the dice. But I, I guess if you're going to get it, I have cancer on both sides of my family. So, you know, I'm predispositioned. Oh, that's a new one. I'm predispositioned to get it unfortunately and it got me unfortunately but in my my way of thinking i'm trying to right the wrong but i would love more awareness of it i would love more or maybe maybe my podcast is that i don't know but if another family doesn't have to go through this sure that can be a good thing right so, where I'm at now, I start my new treatment next week. I'm a few days away and I've been counting down and days this week's been hard. It's been cold and I've been thinking, just get me there. Come on. I really need to get this off of me. <laughs> but um, I'll be talking about that in hopefully next week. So, I'll be full on. I'm going to have five days of treatment over six weeks. So... It has been foretold to me that after six weeks, we're looking to cure this and get rid of it. I have a good feeling about it. 
I would just like to see the results though. I would like for my hard work to pay off and be able to see the results. But stay tuned this way. If you just found me, please press follow if you want to find out more. And yeah, so next week is the week when hopefully I'll see results and have radiotherapy for the first time. That shall be interesting. So uh, yeah, let's catch up next week. Same time, work for you. And uh, I will tell you about being beamed up (laughs) by a red light that is going to be targeted at my neck, as one does. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's actually really helped getting it out there. And uh, I hope it's helped someone else out. If so, I've done my job. I'm Gem Swallow. The madness it is. If I got a pound for every time someone called me mad, I'd be rolling in it right now. But I'm Gem. That would be me. And this, this is Quacky Gem's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll speak to you again next week. Get involved on Twitter. It's at Radio Gem.